Good afternoon. How are we doing? How are we getting on? How's your Friday going? My first week back at work after a couple off. Only my second show back going, but we're on for a, a good streak now. Got some really great guests booked in for next week and beyond. So uh, please do join me for those. Hope you can hear me. Points for those that first tell me in the chat um, that they can hear okay, that it's coming through loud and clear. I keep saying nearly 200 episodes in, I can, then I can uh, stop asking that question. But whilst we're still streaming and broadcasting on sometimes unstable lines, then means I'm still paranoid. So do let me know if you can hear okay. Friday shows. As on the more interactive side, best I can, as I make it, if, uh, if you guys do want to participate, and trying to tailor the topics accordingly. Now, I'm forever starting a show with, um, I'm excited for this, or thank you for this suggested topic, or looking forward to this guest speaking and stuff. I will admit that uh, this isn't one of those, right? Uh, it's a subject I've felt mused on before. I don't think it's as much on this show, not, not specifically, like, but it comes up. But I don't think, compared to most things that we talk about, this is one that, that I particularly enjoy talking about. I think it kind of gets a bit boring, uh, a bit Groundhog Day-like, shall we say. And But it is important, and it's also one that I suppose maybe it'll be helpful if I document my feelings and gauge yours in one place over the course of the next half an hour or so. You know, maybe that'll be useful. Maybe we'll be able to suggest something new, maybe clarify my thoughts on it, maybe thinking out loud on this might help me and others with our position on on things. And also for me to, to potentially uh, get put right by you guys if you disagree. Because I think it's one of the things that'd be smart for me to start off with is to spit out my opinion on it. Because for those that haven't noticed, and this is not a new thing, that's thing, it's kind of, it comes in waves uh, whereby it is um, suggested, implied, uh, pointed out that uh, there is a toxicity on social media. Not all the only word that gets used, but like heat atmosphere or it's, uh, it's uncomfortable. You use various different, sometimes synonyms or adjacent words that, that, that might describe um, a feeling that they get about their, their take on on social media, particularly they're describing, say, like a, a sort of physio and MSK. Specifically, sometimes they're saying um, it more generally than that. One of my things that I wanted to sort of bring with it early doors is for me to admit that that's part of my take, really. So I'll give you give you three key key things, really, to get us going. And I really am interested in your thoughts on this. So first off, like I say. Let me know if, you, if you're joining the conversation. Let me know if you can hear me okay. I'm sorry for those that uh, tell me that they, they do press the like button wherever they might be listening to it. When I say those things, I don't see those live and comments are slightly delayed. So um, you do press in the comments whether or not, whether or not this is streaming all, all cleanly and I'll get going. So first of my points really is that I think a lot of, of what we see on our particular space, interprofessional dialogue is the classic thing that I've been involved in on social media. I think we get our version of social media in general, right? Which has its problems. So social media in general, I think it's a, an immature medium. You know, I've been around 10 years now, 
uh, at least. But I mean, interprofessionally, you, 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 you think it's reasonable to say that that first started to come to the fore, say, 10 years ago-ish. And it's still very, sort of still work in progress and still, we're still working through some things as a society for how we communicate on social media. And, and that is a, an issue. And I think we, we see our version of that. And I think that sometimes frustrating and the reason I'm bringing that forward first is because it seems so naive to try and uncouple it from that, right? To, to imply sometimes that, that, uh, that it happens in a vacuum and that there's some sort of interprofessional dialogue that is distinct from the wider, right? So we get our version, I think, my opinion, we get our version of the wider social media styles and narratives and, and they intersect as well, don't they, right? So it's that social media is, is, is the conversations are happening cross-culturally uh, and then we get our version of it where we get stuck into, say, clinical or specific policy. But then they often, you know, they're, they're rele it's relevant that it's in the same ecosystem. So I think we get our version of it. Part of the argument to say, you know, I, I'm respectful of the argument that it shouldn't just be our, our version of it because it should be something different. It should be more um, professional. It, it should be if it should be the best of social media should be professional interaction, social media, you know, regardless of what that definition is, um, of professional. And I, I think I understand why people might feel that. And I, I think I agree. I think there's something to be said for, uh, fellow professionals and colleagues, uh, um, tempering, tempering, tempering the discourse differently to, to strangers. But to be honest, I, I think you use social media as the proxy for the digital public square, or like a marketplace or at a bus stop, then I just think there should be, if anything, there should be a bit more decorum generally with regards to sort of insults and abuse and all the real ugly nastiness that we've discussed before uh, that can occur. I think it should all be cleaner than it is. And I think that's what I mean about how we're still finding our feet as a, as a society to try and work out how we interact with each other. And so professionally, I think we see our version of it. And I also think that despite the fact that you might hope and aspire for interprofessional discussion to be or not just its version of, of, of social media in general. I think that's a bit naive. The second thing I want to say is that I, like many, you know, cringe pretty hard when you feel like you're watching um, two or more people have an awkward, heated discussion that descends into, you know, it's, it's, it's clearly an argument, you know, there's not there's not points really being made. It's an attempt to just to just win and to outsmart and to sometimes humiliate in public, and um, and that's no for me no different to how uncomfortable I would feel to find two strangers or or acquaintances, which is often what the difference is. Right, I come across two strangers in public having a slanging match. You know, it's a bit weird, but when if you come across two acquaintances fighting about a subject that you're interested in and have been interested in their opinions on then you wouldn't help but go up would you right so when that happens digitally i feel just as uncomfortable as i think i would do if i encountered them in person i think it wouldn't be less likely to happen in person i think that's one of the things that's so frustrating really and i'm someone who's had a, a fair digital presence throughout you know the vast majority of my career now it skews that way you know i have it's hard for me to remember the times of which i wasn't broadcasting and interacting and thinking in public on this sort of stuff 
Um, I wasn't a professional person. If I did, if I was, I was a younger professional person only for a few years before I started to do some of that, especially because physiomatics was fairly early in my career, really, when we got going. Um, and I think that that's disappointing, that people don't spot that in themselves, that this would this would not be likely to be occurring or it wouldn't be occurring like this. It wouldn't be quite as heated if uh, if it was in person. And so people don't temper it that way, which I think is a, is a real shame. However, um, I think that there's so much to be gained by people implying that that is the, is the fault of, of, of only some people or the fault of only one style of dialogue. You know, I mentioned, whilst I was away, I think one of the helpful things when you go away, you kind of away from meetings, but because you know, I'm a sado and I'm often thinking about this stuff, I was reflecting, I think, on a tweet uh, that I said how really you've got the sort of perpetually offensive and purposefully so, and then you've got the perpetually offended and purposefully so. It's very convenient for both sides of that. And I think that sometimes it's ignored how powerful those things are and how they can really spoil productive conversation. And that's kind of my third point then on it. So first one being, I think it's our version of a wider social media problem. Second thing is the public nature um, of social media uh, being such that then you should be comprehending how that interaction would be perceived and how it would be, would this be happening if it was us bumping into each other on the street? And the uh, observer effect being such that instead of a, on the street, it's kind of in a stadium all of a sudden. Um, and then the third, yeah, the, th the, the third point being, I think it's just so, it is, it is frustrating for me to watch the fact that then the ecosystem it's become means that you can get an awful lot of tension from stoking controversy for the sake of it, like a narrow sense of contrarianism. And, you know, I'm, I'm happy on this show or elsewhere to to uh, answer any claims of hypocrisy from me there for those that feel that I'm a, a culprit of that. I've been accused of it many times. Uh, but, yeah, sort of a, a narrow sense of contrarian thinking that then is just being controversial for the sake of controversy for gaining attention. Yeah, get it. But this is one that seems to go under the radar, which fascinates me is that one of the best ways to garner attention is to simply imply that that effect that I've just described is the whole, right? To, to represent that part of what can happen there, that sort of st style of, of, of that attention economy on, on, on social media or in our space within social media in MSK or what have you, as being that's representative of the whole, especially when you curate your own exposure on social media, right? It's, it's not, this is another reason why it's not really an accurate representation of the public square or arguing at a bus stop or a marketplace or a stadium like I described. It's because you, you've got digital tools to, to quieten that down or block it out or to disengage with it in a much simpler fashion. Now, that's disappointing for me. Like, that's not a, a mechanism I enjoy talking about much whereby it's like, you don't like it, don't watch it type thing. It's like, well, no, because I really want, I think there's a lot to be gained with interprofessional dialogue and it is an educational space and a, a, a position to share resources, mine included, you know, admittedly there's a bias from me is that it's a, it's a channel for exposure, for, for stuff that I think is valuable, right, for the help in my cause, which is to raise the standards in, in, in healthcare and improve health policy, depending on what happened, where in. Um, 
but I think it, it just just seems a shame because whilst I'm not sort of saying yeah just switch it off if you don't like it because I've just said I don't like that argument I think it's really exclusionary but I think that the it does sort of strike me a bit like there's, there's a style of perpetual offence not necessarily that they're doing it that repetitively so it's not perpetual is it but it's just that, that it is just a really trendy thing to do I mean I, definitely if I was quite the attention seeker that people sometimes have me for the sake of saying clickbait, then I, I would just put a, put, a mess, put a note in my phone. For every every month, maybe it'd be a bit slightly too frequent, but at least every quarter, I could go on there and say, oh, the atmosphere is toxic. Uh, what is all of this about? Why are people arguing so much? Why are people going circular with the arguments? Why is it the same thing being discussed? Um, why can't people just be kind, nice to each other? Hashtag be kind, right? If I put that in there, put it in my phone as a note, just as a means of saying it, right? That is one of the most effective ways in which you could then bait attention. I'm not saying that's why people are doing it. I'm not impugning motives. In fact, I think that's one of the problems that gets that gets made is that people think that that's why they're doing it, right? But I'm just saying that that can be the case regardless of what someone's motive is. And that's something that seems to go unchecked. I'm not saying that those people are the problem of that, right? Because I'm saying it could be justified. I'm not saying that's why they're doing it. I'm just meaning that that, that is high, a highly popular way of, of sort of attempting to define the terms of what you're seeing through your lens and then implying that that is the landscape, right? It's really tempting, isn't it? It's your opinion. And then you then imply that that is the whole, right? I'm seeing this thing, especially when you've cu you've curated the space of which you're watching, right? Everyone's is different. Everyone follows different people. Everyone's seen different things. Everyone's seen different things alongside other different things, right? You're not seeing it through the same lens as anyone else. And therefore, you're not getting, you're getting a gauge of the atmosphere as you see it. And therefore, it's dead tempting. And that's social commentary is to then give your read and your take on it. But instead of sort of throwing that out there and saying, I've been observing this and this is my position on it and this is how I would correct for it. There is something just deeply popular about sort of saying, oh, it's all a bit, all a bit aggro for me. Right. And often it's then without any suggestion as to whether it could be corrected for or whether or not there is an upside sufficient to correct for it and i think that's one of the interesting things if your if your point is that this is mess i check in now and again and despite trying to alter um the adjust and adjust my filter on it that's um you know i just i just think it's all ugly and it's crap and we should burn it down and i'm deleting my account right it's one way of doing it but often it's then they're not if that, if that isn't your suggestion that i think it should end and i'm, I'm out of it goodbye if it's not that and you're sort of making a point as if to say it has some there's some good to be done here and um and therefore we need to tidy it up fascinates me that there's very rarely a suggestion as to how to tidy it up and um especially because i don't think you actually you should be able to whinge without then being in your next breath have to suggest a solution but if you if you're part of part of a gang of people that, that, that like to point towards the problem but can't imply a solution or if you apply a solution it's some sort of really narrow narrow ideological sense of, of, of that behavior that you don't then stand up to yourself you know you just ended up being a hypocrite for that then it just seems disappointing to me that that's sort of how that's why it becomes circular is because there's 
there's a no no quality suggestions as to how to sort it out now that is that is uh, my, my third of, of, of three things that are sort of my hot take on the subject. Um, thanks for those that are, that are commenting, and sorry for those on Twitter that have, that have sent us a message off off this platform saying that their, their comments aren't coming through. Uh, I want to come. I want to bring this up um, and see what Ewan has to say. Ewan McComiskey, I think he's been on this show. He's been on, on similar shows uh, about digital tools works for the for the CSP, and he's their their man in Northern Ireland. The nature of social media is it amplifies the best and worst parts of its users. We've all seen where it works well, mentoring, networking, learning, and where it doesn't, public professional fallout, abuse, and trolling. It is and will always, sorry, I'll come back to it. It is and will always, where are we? Be, remain an imperfect medium, helpful and positive when used well, negative and dangerous when not. My mantra, if you don't always have, you don't always have to be professional on social media, but you can never be unprofessional. Yes, I think I feel like I recognize that and I don't know if it's because I've heard you and talk before and say that or, or whether he maybe, maybe even said it on, on this show. I think maybe did he, did he go on with the First Steps crew? That was a good show. So yeah, good points. Certainly nothing I disagree with there, you and I think, um, what I find interesting then, so let's just re repeat that. You don't always have to be professional on social media, but you can never be unprofessional. I think it, this this hits the bullseye for a number of reasons. But one of the big ones being, who gets to define what is professional? What is professional conduct? Is it a narrow sense of professionalism that is then not just unconfrontational, but anti-confrontation, thus perpetuating the status quo? Um, that's certainly something that, having been continue to be accused of being unprofessional um, recently for intervening as, 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 as I was accused of doing by commentating on to CSP elections or suggesting preference to candidates or to imply preference for styles of practice over others or suggesting that certain things shouldn't be supported under a professional license for interventions or for particular styles of care delivery um it's the classic really i'd say most weeks i will be called unprofessional right so who gets to define that right is that my i'm not saying my accusers are wrong there i'm just meaning that i obviously disagree with that i think it's well within my professional remit to be able to make those points and to make them in the style of which i did um i think that there's there's definitely something that uh, i've heard said that professionalism can can go via the pornography test in that you just know it when you see it um, and that sometimes it's just it's something is is uh, outrageous enough uh, to be unprofessional because you kind of just have that visceral sense of you know it's wrong. I mean, it's something to be said for that. But I think there's also just massive agenda that sometimes occurs whereby if you are if you are someone that wants to perpetuate a status quo within anything, and I don't mean like generally, like as if there's some sort of really coherent narrative that everyone wants to perpetuate. I'm just meaning on any given topic, if you want to continue to peddle what is the current status quo or a current narrow window of polite conversation around that topic right there's a range of things that can be discussed and you can't venture outside of that if you're someone that wants to protect that then the most effective way of doing that is to imply that anything that falls outside of what you consider to be acceptable is unprofessional and therefore that crosses Ewan's red line so I'm not disagreeing necessarily what Ewan's said there so to reiterate you don't always have to be. You don't always have to be professional on social media, but you can never be unprofessional. So what Ewan's meaning is that there's something to be said for neutral, but you can't go beneath neutral. You can't then behave unprofessionally. Don't disagree. Depending on how we're defining 
professional and some people and unprofessional, right? Some people want to define that so narrowly. And more often than not, and these are natural human biases of which I'm not saying I'm immune to at all, right? But you can't help but think, I'm going to define professionalism and unprofessional so that I fall within those boundaries of it, right? That's one of the things I'm accused of. Is it, well, you would say that that falls within professional conduct because you want to behave that way and you still want to get away with it, right? And then there's other people that, that define it more narrowly because that's how they want to uh, put the position themselves, etc. And it's tempting to do that, right? It's tempting to think of professionalism and, and then apply sort of rigorous institutional academic standards to start to apply a language of politics sometimes or policy making or think, well, what would a civil servant be legally allowed to do or say? You know, there's a sense of, of, of neutrality even that, that then always has to play a both sidesism that then decreases personal character from a professional character. All those things are tempting. And I think all those things have been blurred by social media, especially for those that are allowing for personal factors and, and hobbies, interests, family to come through their social media and to not offer that crisp distinction between personal and private, personal and private, sorry, personal and professional. I think that's become become difficult, you know. And and, and I don't, I'm not saying that I've got I've got all the answers, but I know that that uh, there's there's certainly two two poles of extremes that I am uh, I'm wanting to wanting to call out on this. And one is those that are purposefully stoking uh, controversy for the sake of it narrow sense of contrarianism that doesn't offer anything other than scandal. Um, can't be arsed with it, don't quite understand it, and it's just perpetually offensive for the sake of it. And then there's this other side, that I'm the arsehole that feels that it that needs to, to, to call this part out because it feels like this is the bit that people miss. For some reason, this seems to go under the radar, which is the people that then want to imply that the first part that I've just described is the whole. And that therefore, that's the atmosphere. That's the problem. Those that that is becoming that's colouring the whole thing, and therefore they're being dismissive of it. And for those that do work where we're hopefully trying to raise standards and use it as a, a platform, um, sort of the the, the semi-democratised ecosystem of, of of sharing information that doesn't have to then go through the standard and costly gatekeepers. Um, you know, that's the that's the uh, that's the difference. It's frustrating for it to be dismissed uh, for that reason. So another another few comments coming in. Thank you so much to Ash James. He said, we will never be able to control what other people write and say, only manage our reactions to them and how we react. If you see something that offends you or you don't agree with, it's much more interesting to reflect on yourself and ask why you, sorry, why you do, rather than respond in a negative way outwardly. Now, I agree with all of that, Ash, for a few reasons, but you can certainly see that Ash has been reading the meditations of Marcus Aurelius and other Stoic philosophers. I um, can't think it was me that specifically recommended them, but uh, Ash, I agree with you in part because I'm well on that train and, uh, and, and absolutely uh, love what you've said there. It does become, to some, some feel that to be sort of accusatory in a way, as well, though, people say that you know, that it's how it's only how you receive it. So people say offence isn't isn't given; it's received, right? And so that sometimes does then give give too much uh, ability for abusive people and trolls and, and other really nasty individuals that are trying to really offend for the sake of offence. You know, it gives them a bit of a pass. I know that's not at all what Ash is suggesting, but it's definitely one that. 
Um, I agree with Ash's point about the fact that you can't really do what you can't do anything about that once, especially once it's been said. However, your reaction to it is the thing that it can be most powerful. And I think that that's definitely one of the things that I've looked on and, and, and found to be fascinating. Not just recently, but because this comes in waves, right? And, and so I'm not I'm not suggesting the point of doing this show today isn't that it's really worse now than it ever has been. That's one of the things that's funny. Tom Jessen spoke on this show and others about how he finds it frustrating. It's really interesting because it's all well and good me saying this, regular broadcaster and extroverted as I am and stuff. But Tom's a different character to me in many ways, uh, better in most ways. But he talks about how he just gets frustrated sometimes at the implication that it's definitely bigger um worse than it than it, than, than it is um he says that I, that exaggeration frustrates him because if anything it's a very supportive space in the most part but also people have access to ground and individual beefs and want to imply um it to be frustrating um and so that's that's a, a concern now when when it comes to how um how things are received rather than how they're taken. That is something that I think we really need to, if we're going to be professional, I think when things get heated, a real professional would be looking at something like that and trying to think, how can I take the pace off this? And if I can't, so if you're involved in it, right? If you're involved in some exchange, right? You're constantly looking for opportunities. To, who's going to be the adult in the room? Who's going to take the pace off this? Who's going to take the heat? Who's not going to respond in kind? Who's not, who's not going to come at this and think, right, how am I going to win this argument or come across as the best snarky person on the internet and just take the pace off it? And I'm not just meaning walk away, go silent at all. I just mean like to take the pace off. I take it private. You know, take the edge off. And I think that happens too, too little. I think pride and ego get in the way of that. But then also, I just think that uh, that is that is what maturity and professionalism would truly be if you were to try and to define those as, as, as terms, would be, yeah, just being the bigger person. Just think, well, oh, they might have had a bad day. They've had a worse day than me. We've got something else going on. They've had, they've had no sleep. Uh, they're in pain. They're frustrated. This has triggered them based on some other experience that they've had. And so let's just give them the benefit of the doubt. Let's take it with a pinch of salt. Let's assume it's not quite as personal or as offensive as they're meaning it to be that, that I'm receiving it as. Um, text, it's quite hard. I'm not saying it's, it's easy, but like Ash said, you know, you're applying, applying uh, some appropriate sense of, of stoicism, really, I suppose, is what I'm peddling there. It's not a suppression of emotion. I think that's one of the things that's sort of frustrating about... Um, bit frustrating about sometimes when people think that I might perpetuate a suggested stoic philosophy as if it's a suppression of emotion rather than a sort of rationalization of it and, and, and filtering of it because I think that those emotions I'm not dismissing. Anger is a good thing, fear is a good thing in the right dosage. Um, Donna's got a great take here. Uh, thank you Donna on LinkedIn. I'm sorry for those that aren't getting their comments through. I've had a couple of messages off this platform saying that I think it's Twitter and YouTube that aren't working, which is a shame. But on LinkedIn, it seems to be coming through. So thank you, Donna. She says, I find it so prohibitive and anxiety-inducing. I'm having to put myself out there at present due to promoting physio and rehab in the concussion landscape and work with the ministers in the government. I've never felt so anxious having to go on social media. Donna, I'm so sorry to hear that, first and foremost. That is such a shame, uh, especially you know, you've got a lot to share, and, uh, and it is a shame that then you can't, 
uh, feel comfortable engaging with that. I think it then becomes difficult because I would say in, in instances like this, I can't help but wonder, and I would want to understand the specific interactions. Now, I'm not saying, Donny, by the way, that, that, that you need to give me those now. I'm just meaning that in specific circumstances, if there is something that someone's put out there and then they get a, 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 a torrent of, of, of abuse, dismissal, ridicule, you know, it just pains me. I mean, I think it, I'll admit that that, for me, I've seen as being incredibly rare is the, the trope that uh, sometimes get described as if a student asks a question and then gets shut down. And it's just like, can you show me the examples? And no one really brings me any examples. Um, the fear of that is huge. A lot of here, a lot of students and new graduates say, oh, I don't really feel like asking a question in case I look stupid. It's like, what well, did you try? No. And when people do try, I then ask them, how did it go? Well, people were quite supportive and stuff. They might have, they sort of, it was interesting to see some disagreements and stuff, but you know, there isn't this, 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 um, <laughs> this idea that they get shut down straight away. And so when I want the specifics of examples, um, I find that um, that is where the, the devil is in the detail there. So what is it that is prohibitive? What is it that's anxiety-inducing? What are the examples that have perpetuated that sense? How much of that is then personality disposition? Not in a bad way, by the way, but is it appropriate? Is it necessary? Is it that for Donna, who's giving this example where she wants to promote some stuff in physio and rehab with concussion, is it essential? And therefore, she feels obliged to share into that because there's no other good options. And I think that that's where it's not for everyone. Um, is it that there are there are people that are constantly coming back to to that subject matter or to individual people? And, and that's where I think kind of abuse is very, very individual in a sense, because it's like if there's someone being really repetitive, then that's exactly what mute and block buttons are for on, on social media or for uncoupling your friendships on, say, social media by um, like LinkedIn and Facebook and stuff. It's like sometimes you've got a you clean shop to make sure that then if there's someone that's just constantly poking you in the side digitally um, and getting at all of your work, even if it's not in a nasty way, but it's just starting to, to impact um, like a, a naysayer, let's say, then that's how you want to curate your own feed. Um, because it definitely, I would love nothing more than a landscape in which no circumstance, it's an ecosystem that is so pleasant and so accessible and such a safe space for everyone that no one would feel um, an anxious posting anything, any, any idea. Um, I think that's naive. I don't think that's the world. I don't think that's humans. I don't think that's necessarily that healthy because then I think sometimes there's some real good energy that can come from friction between ideas. And and, and admittedly, here's a bias, but no surprise to most of you listening into this, I'm a fairly confrontational person. Um, hopefully not in any sort of uh, nasty way, but generally speaking, I do, do uh, like to confront bad ideas with better ones or with questions and, and with challenge and, and to try and see what energy comes of that friction and to learn from my mistakes in a similar way. And I think that sometimes the landscape that some feel like maybe should be perpetuated is one of, 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 of bland banality and, and, and one that generally means that an attempt, and I think an attempt to make it somehow neutral or somehow uh, unlikely to be anxiety inducing is, is one of which um, certainly wouldn't perpetuate usage uh, because it'd lose any any sort of interesting angle. And I always give people the benefit of the doubt, especially on 
the fact that they're often doing this in their in their own time right these are people that are at least aspiring to learn or to share knowledge that could be learned from um in their own time and i think that that's a, an interesting one this is a different topic Reese has said as a student it's difficult to know who to trust online and know who's what's the correct view I'm going to be visiting that in the next couple of weeks, actually, on a couple of shows uh, about that. That's the kind of the ecosystem. I'm thinking about interactions. I mean, he's not got the ring of the stick, hasn't Reese there. I'm just meaning, especially because we're closing for this show now. I just think we'll visit that another time as to, yeah, who do you trust? Individuals, groups, institutions, you know, where can we get good information, especially in the MSK space? That is definitely something we're going to be talking about soon. Um, this one's definitely been more about the sort of toxicity of atmosphere between interprofessional dialogue. Um, and, and so, yeah, lots of points that have been raised. Thank you, those comments I've been able to get to. Sorry for those that I haven't. And sorry, we are going to sort out some of the issues we've had with um, some of the platforms that haven't been able to get their comments through. Some of them I can see and then some of them I can't pull forward. So anyway, we're working on it. And uh, as ever, thanks for joining me and I'll see you next week for more Tune It Over as we creep ever closer to that 200th episode. I don't know what I'll do. It needs to be some sort of celebration and fanfare, but I haven't worked out what yet. All right, thanks a lot. Have a great weekend. Cheers, guys.